0: If you're listening to this, I know you're probably wanting to scale your mortgage business. When we did the pre-launch for the show, we started to share with the mortgage community what we were doing, and we said people kept reaching out to us and saying, hey, how do I get on the $100 million journey? We listened and created a series of workshops called the Mortgage Blueprint. We have a blueprint at $25 and million, a million, and $100 million. If you're listening to this, they're probably aiming at one of those goals. Go check out com slash blueprint to find out when we'll be in your city. That's com slash blueprint.
1: There's no quick way to do this business, no quick way to be successful in it. It's just you know, pick your strategy and pick your approach and then just be consistent with it and realize it's not a short-term gain. It's a long-term business. It's a very long-term business.
0: If you are prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, it's Scott Peckford from $100 Million Journey, Episode 5. This is a new project we're working on, and we're stoked. It's a new video and podcast series called The $100 Million Journey. We're going to apply the best of what we've learned in 160-plus interviews in real time to my business partner's business, with the goal of getting it from $8 million a year in production to $100. We're going to video document the ups and downs of what it takes to build a $100 million business. Over the next 12 months, we're producing two podcast interviews per month with high producing mortgage pros who can help Jules on her journey. We may even have a specialist or two depending on what we find we need in the business. Our hope is that you can learn from our mistakes and successes so you can go on and scale your business and build the business of your dreams. On this episode, I talked to Ryan Grant. He's a branch manager and loan officer. He's a top 100 LO on the Scotsman Guide. He did $129 million in production last year in 2016 and I had a couple of great insights from our conversation. First, Ryan is obsessed with customer experience. He even created a product with Todd Duncan. It's called the Five-Star Customer Experience. So you can go check that out at Todd's site. A couple of things I picked up from this episode. Ryan shares how he started out by hustling and trying all sorts of creative strategies to build relationships with realtors and referral partners. He really had a shotgun approach, but as he's matured his business, he's now has a lot more focused and targets with the right partners, which, which is really good referral partners. So I think you're really going to enjoy this show. Ryan shares a lot of great insights, so check it out. Review us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Hey, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Hey there. How are you? So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business?
1: Yeah, I was going to be an attorney my whole life growing up. So I worked for the district attorney in Santa Barbara, where I went to school, and a lot of different types of law firms and law practices. And uh, ultimately, when I got done with college, I enrolled in law school, but I wanted to defer my enrollment because I didn't have any money to pay for law school. So um, I just needed to take a year off, make some money, and then I was going to go to USD, uh, San Diego Law School. And in that year, my brother-in-law called and he had took a position at a mortgage company. This was back in 2004. And he said that he was able to make, you know, a decent amount of money in his first month. And so that was all I needed to stop what I was doing and go give that a shot. And, and, and I ended up you know, working for a company called AmeriQuest. And I was with them for three months. And then I got recruited to kind of a call center brokerage. And so I basically I just did refis for like the first year. And then I was promoted into Uh, A managerial position within that mortgage brokerage and did that until 2007 when obviously we had a a bit of a hiccup in the market and then I started my own company just to kind of stay lean but the whole time I was really just working off of internet leads and trying to do as many refinances as possible because that's really all I knew and then uh, ended up helping a company called Bay Equity start their retail division back in 2009 maybe even 2008-2009. And then I was with them until about 2010. uh, But I was really in a managerial position there as well, uh, not really originating. And then I got into, made the decision in 2011 that I wanted to kind of control my own destiny and see what I could do in in terms of being a a relationship-based purchase lender. And uh, I started with a company called iMortgage, uh, who is now Loan Depot. And basically just had a business card and went out and started talking to people and didn't have a client list or any sort of CRM or any past clients I really kept in touch with because it was a whole new business model for me. So I kind of consider having two different careers in the mortgage industry, you know, call center based and then uh, purchase based. And that one, that one started in 2011.
0: Okay. So, and how was the transition to go from primarily a refi and a call center based business into originating and having to go out and meet with realtors? And how was that first year of you making that switch?
1: It was tough, but it was fun at the same time because you don't really know what you don't know, so you don't know if you're not doing well. You just kind of feel like you, you feel like your every win is a big win, you know, when you're when you're just starting out. So if you just get a realtor to return your phone call or to talk to you at an open house or to you know send you a client or refer you, like, it's a big win. And so even though I I only did like 20 deals my first year, it still felt. Promising, it felt like the direction was going well, and I, I knew there was some um, some positivity in the future, even if it wasn't as big of a payoff up front. But it was definitely difficult. You know, I, I went from making a pretty significant amount of income down to nothing, and, and then had to really build that back up.
0: Uh, How long before you know, were really kind of back to where you started?
1: Uh, well, it's hard to say because where I started wasn't anyone working in the business in 2004 to 2007. It wasn't really you can't really compare the numbers because it was kind of fake business versus real business, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. And so I was making a pretty decent living back then. What, what re- really good for what I thought being a 22 year old or 23 year old, but you know, moving into the career side of it, which I really, I consider having a job in the mortgage industry versus having a career in the mortgage industry is the difference between the refinances and the purchases. But yeah, I, you know, probably, about a year, uh, about a year into it, I started seeing good traction. And then uh, I did $11 million in volume my first year. I think about $60 million my second year and then $90 million my third year. And then it just kept going up from there.
0: 11 to 60 is like, that's crazy. So I want to zero in on that because that's not, that is not a, that's an unusually high. So what happened in that second year? What kind of things were you doing? Did you get any coaching, any mentoring? Like, What happened to go from 11 to 60? Because that's like it's huge.
1: Yeah, there was no coaching. It was just a lot of doing the same of what I was doing. I was just everywhere. My goal was just to be seen. And I wanted everybody to at least know who I was, whether or not they were using me as their lender. I was just at every real estate event. I was at every broker preview, broker caravan. I would go to six or seven open houses a day. Uh, I'd go to five or six open houses each day on the weekends. I would really try and do some innovative marketing. So I would-
0: what's, you know, Well, give me an idea of something that you did that looking, like that. what's something that you did that you thought was like innovative or that actually worked?
1: Oh, I don't know if it was innovative in, in terms, I'm sure other people have done it, but it was innovative for me. was sponsoring a broker preview where we did a, like we'd have six houses on broker preview. And if you went to all of them, and got a ticket from the listing agent and all of them at the end, we'd do a drawing and give away like iPads and we'd give away gifts and we'd really help each realtor promote that property, which would, you know, make them look good to the seller. And so we would sponsor like these, you know, broker open house tours. You know, I did a lot of help at people's open houses. I would, you know, I'd go to open houses and help realtors sit them on the weekends and I would, you know, have financing flyers and help the people put up their assignment really just kind of all the grunt work that you do as a new originator to try and get your foot in the door with people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was necessarily too innovative, but, um, I think the, the iPad
0: broker preview. So just so our listeners, cause so we have listeners in Canada and the U S but when you say broker preview, so you're meaning when a real estate office has six or eight houses that the realtors are actually going to go and view them so they know what's on the market. Is that what you mean?
1: So so we have, uh, we have what's called broker preview events and that's where, you know, in each, in, in different cities throughout Orange County, there'll be a broker preview on different days. So like in San Clemente, there was a, a Wednesday morning broker preview and every realtor, not every realtor, but a lot of realtors in San Clemente would come meet at a restaurant in the morning. They would all talk about their listings. And then that would be an hour long meeting. And then after the meeting for the next from nine to noon, they would hold all these open houses open for all the other realtors to drive by and see. And so we would, you know, that's where we'd meet a lot of realtors is because a lot of them were there and we would help some of the realtors. You know, if there's six homes in an area uh, in San Clemente, then we would get those six homes on and we'd do marketing flyers and we'd pass them out and we'd email them to everybody. And then the realtors would go to each one. So it was uh, you know, just more of an exposure thing for us.
0: Right, and do, do they? Is that currently in your market something they do now, or is is everything moving too fast that they don't even do the previews?
1: Admittedly, I haven't been to a broker preview in a few years, so I don't know if that's happening or not. I think the evolution of my of our business has been, you know, when I when I first started, I just had to be everywhere, and I kind of had to be everything to everybody. But over time, I've been able to really to really become the right thing to the right people. And so we've really uh, solidified our business partners that we work with and our, and our realtor partners. And we've been able to just do more and help them more as opposed to trying to go out and help everybody. And the, that's really what the broker previews do is they allow you to meet a lot of people quickly. And then once you, you know, make the right relationships, you, you know, in my opinion, you, you really focus on those because we want to be a real value add to many business partners we work with, as opposed to just a lending resource because anybody could be a lending resource.
0: Right. Yeah. That makes sense. What kind of help did you have to put that many loans together? So I had one production assistant
1: to start with loan officer assistant, loan coordinator. There's obviously a lot of names for them. Uh, I think LOA is probably the most commonly used name. So I had one person to help there. My second hire was uh, I think I hired a second LOA and then I hired a marketing coordinator as my third hire. And then I, you know, I got up to three loan officer assistants, and now we have a team of eleven people. So it's it's obviously grown as the volume has has continued. And we have different. Everybody does kind of different roles, but yeah, it's it, that's that's one of the hardest parts, in my opinion, of being a successful lender is learning how to scale appropriately and mm-hmm. learning how to do it all while delivering really good service, uh, because the average loan officer spectrum is. You have a good month because you're out in the field getting business and then you have to work on that business. And so you're not originating and then you have a bad month and it's a very kind of a roller rollercoastery ride. And it's difficult to, you know, at least it was for me and as I hear from a lot of other people, it's just difficult to be able to scale the business appropriately by hiring the right people and getting them in the right positions and still delivering the service that your realtors want, delivering the service that your clients want that's one of the hardest and it continues to be one of the hardest things that that doesn't ever get easier. We're we're still scaling now and, and you know, we still have our our struggles from time to time.
0: I, I totally agree with you. It seems like as you, you obviously figured out the lead side of it. So once you get the leads figured out and you start driving business, then it's like, now you need a team to take care of them. So when you're looking to hire and you've got 11 people now on your team, so do you have somebody that helps you with the hiring and the, do you do it yourself? Like, cause I, I feel like if you get the wrong team members, it'll be a nightmare. So what kind of things do you do to make sure you're getting good, the right people on the bus, as they say?
1: Yeah, the key, and, and, and by no means are we perfect at this, I've, I've, I've definitely had bad hires and I've had hires out of necessity as opposed to you know hires that are, have been vetted appropriately. But you know, the, the key is just really staffing ahead of the production. And I know that's difficult because there's an investment you have to make in yourself and you have to really believe in your ability to produce into your staff. And a lot of times people don't have that self-belief. And so they, they wait until they're busting at the seams to get that next person. And then you hire the wrong person because you just hire the next person that comes along. And believe me, I've I've done that. There's times when we still look at each other and, and, and my operations manager and I we look at each other like, are we hiring out of necessity or should we, you know, should we hire two people as opposed to one right now so we can get ahead of it? Uh, and we've really made a conscious effort to, to always staff ahead of the growth because we're really confident in our ability to,
0: to grow into it. Right. And then is there any kind of screening process you do in terms of like, is there any personality tests? Is there anything that you've found to be useful to make sure that you sort of, obviously you do interviews and some background checking, but is there anything else that you've found to be useful?
1: Yeah, we really look for high caliber people. We look for high intelligence, really good GPAs. We look for people with really good energy that have, you know, very cordial, very outgoing, very friendly, positive attitudes. We make people, you know, so basically they'll, they'll send in a cover letter and a, uh, a resume and then they'll fill out a disc profile. And we, we really look at the disc profile carefully to make sure that they're, they'd be in the right seat on the bus. Cause there's a lot of people that are doing jobs they don't necessarily like. And so you can reposition them accordingly. And then we have them come in for an initial interview And then if they pass the initial interview with my ops manager, then they come back in and they they take an hour long interview questionnaire, which just has a lot of different questions that are, some that are personal, some that are more logic based questions, kind of like the LSAT, Mm -hmm. Uh, which want to know how they think and it's timed. So they only have an hour to, we see how many questions they get through and how they deal with stress. Uh, And then I would, I'd be the last interview just to kind of sign off and, and make sure that we're hiring the right person.
0: So this LSAT thing that you talked about, what, like where did you find those questions? Oh,
1: the LSAT is the prerequisite to getting out of law school. Uh, no, I know, so but it's you, so it's not LSAT, oh, okay. but
0: but the ones that you guys use, like that tests their thinking. So what, like that one hour quest that you said you had, so where did you get that particular Bank of questions.
1: We from one of my uh, mastermind groups. Uh, we basically swiped and adapted it from uh, from a company who we we really look up to, and they have a phenomenal hiring practice. And so, told me that they do this. I took a look at it and said, "Well, we're doing it now." So,
0: right, that's awesome. And then, in terms of the disc profile, so what things do you look for in an LOA versus a somebody who's doing some say marketing, or do you have a sales assistant? Because I've talked to some guys that are kind of in where you're at, and they have someone else that can kind of do what they do, but. So they can share the workload. Do you have that in your business?
1: Yeah, we're working towards that right now. I mean, Since I started, I've always been the sole originator. There was a time, a short period of time where I had what I considered junior loan officers and I would give them the overflow business that I couldn't handle. I just, it it didn't work all that well because I I couldn't control the consistency. Mm -hmm. So I figured out if I can just get people to do the things that take my time and I can just focus on my three highest and best Activities every day, I can be the one to meet with every client, talk with every client and still deliver the the experience that everybody's looking for and my team can support every aspect around it historically, that's what we've done, and we're we're just now moving into a model where we're we're going to do somewhat of a hybrid of that where we're going to have mortgage advisors and loan coordinators in kind of a pod setting because it, it, you know I'm going to reach a, a certain capacity and bandwidth, and you know we, that can't be the inhibitor to our growth, and so we need to open up ways to deliver the same experience and deliver the same customer service, not only to our realtors, but to our clients (laughs) that I would give. And that's, that's what we're working on right now.
0: Right. Yeah, that's good. So you, okay. One thing that just popped in my mind when you're talking, you said your three highest best uses of your time, your activities. What are those three things that you are like, these are the things I have to do to move the needle.
1: Having consultations with clients, helping our our tagline is more educated, more motivated, more confident home buyer. And when, when I have the opportunity to meet with our clients, like we meet with all of our clients in person here at the office, And my goal is to educate them and make them you know, create a a level of motivation to buy a home and and give them the confidence to make that decision uh, if it's Mm -hmm. the right decision for them. Our realtor partners really have a motivated and confident buyer to go show homes to as opposed to somebody who's timid and uncertain, which unfortunately is kind of the norm because too many loan officers just give people a pre-approval letter and expect them to to be able to kind of read between the lines and, and feel confident in the decision. But I found that if you just give someone a pre-approval letter without the education, you're probably doing them more harm than good uh, in terms of turning them off. So for me, the back to your question is just meeting with clients and helping make good educated decisions. It's meeting with my realtor partners and talking to them about business development uh, and how we can grow and then promoting the brand. So. You know, continuing the growth of the organization, whether it's meeting with new business partners or trying to grow into different areas, or you know, working on building the team. So it's just you know, th- those three things are the things that I try and focus on
0: every That's day. That's your the most okay. So, and with the realtor partners, how often are you a calling them and b meeting them? Do you have like a a system or process for that?
1: Yeah, we we do, we do a business meeting each quarter just to touch base on how everything's going, what we can improve on, you know, how we can be a more valuable partner, if there's any. You know, marketing efforts we're working on, if there's any collaboration in which we could help them from a team perspective. So we try and just do a face to face meeting every quarter and then we're talking to them almost weekly just from a transaction standpoint because we we really limit the number of business partners we work with at any one given time. And so we, we really we make it very consistent just in the fact that we're working transactionally quite a bit. And that, you know, in those conversations, other things come up as well.
0: Okay. And then you back to the, the question, the part of promoting the brand. So how do you go out and build new business partnerships? Cause obviously you're experiencing growth and the growth is probably coming from partially from clients that are happy with you, partially from your referral partners, but how are you adding those new referral partners?
1: Just recently we've made the decision to bring on a business development manager, which basically our problem over the last kind of year was, you know, even though we had growth, it was really organic. It wasn't a measured growth. It was just, you know, our realtors were performing well. We were performing well. Our past clients referred us business. We got more organic online, you know, direct consumer business. Our, our purchase volume had gone up drastically, and I wasn't really you know forcing the growth of the brand because I just I didn't have time to get out and you know beat the streets and meet new realtors and and find the right partners. And so we brought on a you know we're really confident in our in our client experience, and so we're really confident in the value that we can add. To a business partner, uh, if they choose to utilize us as a as their lending partner, and we just need more people to know about what we do. And so I hired a business development manager, essentially to go be the guy to spread that word. So he's the one now going to broker previews and meeting with realtors, and then we'll host seminars where we'll bring realtors in here, or we'll do individual presentations to prospective realtor partners to talk about what we believe our value to their business is. We just had one earlier today where. a, a a phenomenal group from North Orange County came down that Luke procured, and Luke's our business development manager. And by the end of the meeting, the, you could tell it was very obvious that they really needed what we have been doing, and they were really excited to move forward. And I, it's kind of a blinding flash—the obvious that if we could just get more people to know about what we do, it's the the best way which we could grow. And so that's his task is to go talk about what we do to more people.
0: Right. And how long have you had that position? A month. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, if you land some big realtor partners, it certainly makes it easy to justify having a a business development manager.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the scope of the partner doesn't even necessarily come into play. I mean, some of our best target realtors are anywhere from 6 to 20 units a year. We're fortunate that we get to work with a lot of, you know, 50 to 100 plus unit a year agents, but there's a lot of good partnerships that can be made in that 6 to 20 unit a year
0: range as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something twice now about the client experience being like important. So how important is the client experience to your business? We're like obsessed about it in our mortgage business. And so just what's, how, how important is it to you guys? It's the utmost importance. It's probably 90% of what we focus on daily. And so what kind of things are you guys doing in your client experience in order to kind of create wow and generate referrals and make your business partners look good? Can you give me a couple ideas on things that you guys have found to be really effective?
1: Yeah, that presentation is pretty in depth. Yes, I I can give you a couple things. I actually, I sell a product. Or between, you know, Todd Duncan is, is a coach of mine, and we just came out with a product called the Five Star Borrow Experience, and that's something that you can buy. And it has literally A to Z everything we do. It has all of the you know the client gifts that we provide. It has the routine that the clients go through. The the technology that we use for it, and so it's a really in depth. Program and it's if anybody ever wanted to to learn what that was, that would be a good purchase to to be able to put that all together. But essentially, it's just high touch, high trust. You know, relate. You know, very consistent relationship building. There's you know social media component to it. There's we, we meet with each client uh, three times, so that we have an initial pre-purchase consultation. And when they go into contract, we have them come in the back in the office for a contract meeting. And then we have them come back in the office to find their loan documents here. We incorporate really fun, kind of cool gifts into each part of the, the mortgage process that are indicative of where they stand in the mortgage process. Mm-hmm. And then you know, our post-closing is really intense. I mean, we, I have you know a post-closing manager on my team who that's all he does is he just helps manage all of our clients' mortgages after closing, does annual mortgage reviews every year constantly looking for ways to improve our clients' financial situations, uh, putting them in touch with the right ancillary business professionals, CPAs, financial advisors, estate planning attorneys. He's really integral in ensuring that our clients are always in the best loan, that they're always getting value from us for, you know, 30 years to come and helping our clients get to a debt-free retirement. And so that's one thing that our clients really rely on us for is not only the, the initial transaction, but the guidance and counseling for, you know, the next 30 to 50 years.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's so, so important. You know, you build that database and then you got to stay in touch with them. So you've actually literally built a position around that's their job. And that so that's all that right. person does. Correct. Okay. And then, so how do you guys, so there's obviously in Canada, we don't have this, but rocket mortgages kind of thing. Do you find that that's a problem for you guys or like.
1: We actually embrace it. I mean, statistics show only 12% of people would even be able to use a rocket mortgage because. Their algorithm doesn't compute certain types of loans. And so only 12% of the population would even be able to use it if they wanted to. Of those 12% of the people that can use it, my assumption is 11.99% of them have a bad experience with it. I I always talk about, you can do a lot of things easy, but this is not one of them. You You can do your taxes easy... If you have a very easy kind of tax analysis, if you, you know, one income W two, maybe no dependents, no home, you could do that, and, and you may or may not make mistakes if you do it yourself. When you're dealing with multi, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of a transaction, it's worth paying a premium to ensure it's done appropriately. And so we just run the exact opposite direction. You know, they go for no interaction, press button, get mortgage. And we go exactly the opposite direction of just over the top customer service, the the client experience. And, you know, we help our clients get their offers accepted in ways that a rocket mortgage would never be able to do. And especially now in very competitive markets, you know, you see a listing agency, quick and mortgage and rocket mortgage, they're probably not highly likely to take that offer. uh, Especially if if they're working with a reputable local lender on another transaction or another offer that's going to really help the offer. So, we let our clients know, look, you have a lot of options of places to get mortgages. You can get a mortgage online. You can go to a bank and get a mortgage. You can go to a credit union and get a mortgage. Or you can use a mortgage broker. Or you could use a mortgage banker. Every person is going to have a little bit of a difference as to how they, they operate and run their business. You have to decide what you want. And we just, at that point, tell them our value proposition. And more often than not, that value is what gets them to feel confident in utilizing our service.
0: Right. Oh, that's awesome. So I want to ask you some other questions about sort of so do you have like a morning routine? You're obviously a very like uh, driven guy. You've, you know, you've got a successful business. So do you have a morning routine that you can get started on? I do. Yeah.
1: On Mondays and Wednesdays I wake up at five and do yoga and meditation and uh, just kind of prep and I'm usually home by 6:30. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I wake up at four and I do boxing. I have a boxing trainer. I've been in martial arts and, and boxing my whole life. And so to me, that's a very fun way to stay active. And I'm not a big runner. And so it's a good cardiovascular workout for me. I mean, do you and actually spar as well or do you I, just train? I spar from time to time. But more often than not, it's just training. It just depends on who's around or what the right. gym that's close to my house. Fridays is either I'll run in the morning or I'll do a quasi CrossFit class. It's not like a real CrossFit thing, but just more of a circuit training type deal at six in the morning. So that's the morning I get to somewhat sleep in. Uh, and then on the weekends, it just depends on if I'm sometimes I try and play golf or I'll it just kind of depends what we have going on. But the, the weekday schedule is, is pretty consistent. I just I try and get home before my wife and my two daughters wake up um, so I can spend the morning with them before I go into work. And then just make sure I get home. I usually leave the office by 5.30 every day. So I'm usually in the office by 8.30 and I leave at 5.30 to be home to be able to put my girls to bed and hang out for a little while. That's awesome. So
0: what's one habit you you think has made you successful? Consistency, probably. There's
1: no magic bullet in what we do. There's no quick way to do this business, no quick way to be successful in it. It's just Know, pick your strategy and pick your approach, and then just be consistent with it, and realize it's not a short-term gain. It's a long-term business, it's a very long-term business. And every client that is a satisfied and happy and raving fan client will turn into more clients, and they will tell their realtor and that will turn into more clients, and that will cascade. And so it all comes down to taking care of the consumer. Uh, I've never met a realtor or a business partner that we work with that has said, I don't care what the consumer thinks. As long as you do X, Y, and Z, then I'll give you my business. It doesn't matter. More often than not, it's just all I care about is what the consumer thinks because it's an extension of my business. And, you know, some realtors want money, uh, you know, from co-branded marketing. Some realtors want food at their open houses, just, you know, but the, the really smart and good business minded realtors understand that if they don't have a really good lender who not only has a, a phenomenal client experience that their clients go through, but can also help as a catalyst in educating and motivating a buyer or a seller to transact on a property, that's something that realtors can't do on their own. They can't, they can't educate a client on the finances of buying a home. Mm-hmm. And they can't overcome uncertainties in the financial world and they can't help a client realize the tax benefit of, of owning a home based upon their tax bracket and the wealth impact over time. I mean, technically they could, but typically they don't have the tools or the skill set to do that. And nor in my opinion, should they, as long as they have the right lending partner, that should be that lender's sole focus is, you know, becoming a catalyst for helping more people understand the education behind buying a home and then ultimately getting motivated, excited, and confident to do so.
0: Right. That's good. So, and I totally agree with you. I think that the realtors that just think, hey, give me 50 bucks. You're like, dude, you're crazy. Like if we do more business together, we'll both make more money. If we focus on taking care of the customer, I think that's always the most important thing. So last question for you here, have you ever seen the movie Back to the Future? So remember the car, the DeLorean, if I could put you in the DeLorean and I could send you back to 2011, when you started, you went from the branch from managing to originating and you could sit down with yourself and say, hey, Ryan, do these three things. What three things would you tell yourself to do?
1: I would have tried to really focus on, well, it's hard to say because, you know, I really appreciate the, the approach of being the right thing to the right people and, and really looking at the lender-realtor agreement as a, as a business partnership as opposed to a lot of times I feel like realtors think that lenders are an affiliate that are kind of a means to an end and they can you know pick and choose the, the lenders they want to use and whoever takes them to lunch gets a deal and that type of stuff. I mean, to me... I really enjoy partnering with our realtors to help grow their business. And that's, that's something that I've, I've really taken a liking to is, is ensuring that we're not only doing well from our, from our side, but they're doing well on theirs as well. And I, I wasn't doing that when I first started. I was just, anybody who would give me a deal, I would, I would try and get it. And I would you know, constantly be inter- introducing myself to more and more people. And to some extent, you kind of have to do that when you're new. Mm-hmm. because it's a numbers game and then once you have a, enough people that you know then you can really start to focus on the right ones um, but i wish i to some extent i would have focused on the right ones a little earlier on my career and as opposed to spreading such a wide net Would be one. another would be coaching i i didn't get a coach until the end of 2014 so essentially three years of doing the business was just trial and error and just sheer brute force and will and, and being around and one of my uh, old managers and a guy I really respect told me one time that 90% of this business is just showing up. You know, a lot of people just don't show up. They're just not at the right place at the right time. And so that, that was important for me to know just to be there. But then also it would have been nice to have a more of a coach and mentor to say, okay, well this is, if you did this and this, and all the things that we do now, if I would have done them back in 2011 to 2014, we would have a much better, bigger operation with a lot more happy clients and, uh, we would have beliefs and bounds ahead of where we are now. But so I probably would have done coaching a little bit sooner. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. the third one would just be probably not getting so caught up in, in the numbers. I think we keep score in this business wrong. You know, everyone looks at, you know, how many deals did you do and how much volume did you close and what were your funding numbers? And, and that's kind of how everybody's judged. And if you, you know, fund a lot of loans, you're considered a really good loan officer. And I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think that if you help a lot of families, as a, you know, we, we, we use the term, we help families, we don't close loans. If you help a lot of families in a way that creates a meaningful experience in their life and you become a valued partner to them, in the long run, you're always going to beat everybody else. You know, There's a lot of lenders out there that do a lot more volume than we do, that do a lot more units that we do, but they don't have the same yelp and zillow and google reviews and they don't have the same customer feedback it's more more transactional and less relational Mm -hmm. and i wish i would have realized that earlier because a it's more fulfilling it's a better way to, to do the business because it's you're actually connecting with people you're creating relationships and you're helping people change their lives and you're not just so focused on the numbers and the more you focus on the relationship and taking care of your client the more those numbers will come I didn't, I wasn't aware of that for the first two to three years. And that obviously would have been a a much better practice to to help catapult the career a little sooner.
0: Right. That's good. Yeah. I've heard, so I did some archery lessons and my archery coach was telling me to focus on the process, not the result. So don't worry about the bullseye, make sure that you shoot the, you know, that everything is consistent every single shot and then you'll be able to put all the arrows in the same place. And so it's kind of the same thing. You focus on the process. The result is, Will happen if you fo- if your process is good and consistent. So this is really good. So Ryan, where can people find you online? You go to ryangrantteam.com dot uh, com is our company website. You can
1: just do Ryan Grant on Facebook. We have a personal page, Ryan Grant, and then a Ryan Grant Team page. You can kind of read our client testimonials on Zillow and Yelp and Google. I think we have an Instagram page and all sorts of different social media. We have a YouTube page. So there's a lot of different places online that that we can be found.
0: So they can find you. Awesome. Anybody listening can find links and show notes to everything that we talked about here today. Ryan, man, I really appreciate your time and I hope you continue to crush your mortgage business.
1: Thanks a lot. I appreciate
0: having me. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.